what's up what's up what's up what's up what's up everybody 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 you are listening to the bounce as always folks this is episode 33 my name is jabari anderson with my co-host l'oreal how you doing l'oreal i'm doing fantastic on this tuesday we're going to talk about free agency the draft the olympics and Mm -hmm. more yeah, there's a there's a lot going on. So let's get this show on the road. This is the month of August. Yep. So let's do it. So originally we were going to talk about the NBA draft and about free agency, you know, beginning of the show. But there was bigger news that actually happened on draft night. And that was Russell Westbrook going to the Lakers. Well, not officially. It's not completed yet. But there is a trade going on between the Washington Wizards and the L.A. Lakers. Russell Westbrook and two draft picks will be heading to the Lakers and Kyle Kuzma, Montrez Harrell, KCP, and a number 22 draft pick heading to the Washington Wizards. So, so far, Bradley Bill is going to stay with, with the Wizards. I don't know why, but I guess he wants his own team. So that's what's going on so far. Russ is going to is going to be with LeBron James and Anthony Davis for next season. And it got us thinking, are the Lakers now the favorites to come out the West next season? Respectfully, no, and it's for two reasons. The very first reason is that Russell Westbrook, obviously, he adds a lot to this team as a very explosive playmaker, scorer, you know, facilitator, and I think having a guy who's like a Russell Westbrook, it's going to bring a lot for the Lakers. But at the end of the day, it's simple. You need a healthy Anthony Davis. Not having a healthy Anthony Davis, I don't see how the Lakers can really go against some of these teams. Sure, you can outscore these teams probably with a Westbrook, but the biggest thing that the Lakers have always been successful in for the most part is their defense. So if you don't have an AD for the majority of the season, you compromise, you know, the majority or all of your defense, and it's going to be pretty bad against these teams. Also, let's be clear as well. The Lakers are not the only team in the Western Conference. I mean, Denver is definitely going to come back, especially with a healthy Jamal Murray, Golden State, if Klay Thompson and Steph Curry can, you know, come back together. Well, that's going to be big. First. They got to they play for sure. Yeah. But still, watch out for Golden State. Watch out for Utah still. Watch out for Portland. Watch out for Phoenix. Chris Paul, he re-signed with the Suns, so they're going to try to run it back. You know, this is not going to be an easy route for the Lakers just because they have Westbrook. Do I think Westbrook is going to help them, you know, the best that he can? Absolutely. I think this is going to be an upgrade. I think we're going to see the Lakers get a little bit better, but it's going to take much more than that if you're missing, you know, the main glue to this Lakers team. No way, no how. What the heck is this? <laughs> Just because Russell Westbrook, an all-star, heads to the Lakers. I, I, I don't I don't get this. It, it just seems like anytime the Lakers make, make a move, they think they're going to come out the West, they're going to win a title. I, I really had people, look, L'Oreal, what were people saying when Russell Westbrook was with the Washington Wizards and the Houston Rockets, or even with OKC? They said, you can't win with Russell Westbrook. He is a liability. He does not fit your team. You can't win with him. Then all of a sudden, he joins the Lakers. Oh, we're we, we going to win a championship. We're going to win the title. Man. It's going to be all good. He, he's with LeBron James Man, and Anthony Davis. It's, it's crazy the, how the okay. switch-up is yeah. really real. <laughs> yeah, Laker fans switch up more than any other uh, fan base I know. I mean, Lord have mercy. First of all, let me just say this right now. No, they're not the favorites to, to come off the West. No way, no how. And besides, I don't even know if it's a guarantee that, that they're even going to make it to the Western Conference Finals, if we want to be honest, okay? All right, now they can win a playoff series with, with Russell Westbrook. I mean, Russell Westbrook will finally play with an MV, MVP once again, okay? So that's good. They'll win a playoff series. That's that's cool. But here's my thing. Russell Westbrook does not fit well with this team. Why? Because, one, yeah. Russell Westbrook – is it listen he plays he likes to play play fast he's not really great when it comes to half court in a half court offense he's not very good number two he is a bad decision maker okay in crunch time he is a bad decision maker and for a guy who is ball dominant he is totally ball dominant 
why would you have him play with LeBron James who also need the ball in his hands as well? Okay, that's 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 another thing as well. A guy who's a bad decision maker and is ball dominant is not going to work well with LeBron James because he ain't deferring to anybody. And number three, Russell Westbrook is not good when it comes to spacing. He's a he's bad spacing the floor when he doesn't have the ball in his hands. And let's say that he's open at the three point line. He's not reliable. He is a bad three point shooter. Can he hit mid range shots? Sure. But he is going to be wide open at three point line. He's not reliable. I don't understand how this works and it helps out for LeBron James and Anthony Davis. Now, sure. They, the Lakers, they got Wayne Ellington. They got uh, Trevor Risa who came back. Dwight Howard, who should have never left in the first place. I don't know why the Lakers didn't keep him last year. And then you got, what's that man's name? Kent Bazemore. I mean, they must have been living the Tra- Travis Scott because Travis Scott once said, I might take all my exes and, br- and send them all to a group or something like that. I mean, that's what they basically did. I might take all my exes and put them all in a group. Because they said, we're, like, hey, we're bringing a reunion here. We're bringing them all back. All, all four, you know, older players, you know, who are going to be okay to, you know, to above average players and whatnot. They got, you know, they got some shooting and defense. But I don't get how this Laker team right now are the favorites to come out the West. And like I said, I just, I just don't see them even getting to the Western Conference Finals as they are looking right now. If anything, I don't think they won the trade. I think the Washington Wizards won the trade because what they got in return. So if we want to be honest right there. So to me, you know, with this team right here, I just don't see. I just don't see how this works because they're not better than Milwaukee or Brooklyn. Um, are they are they the best team in the West? I mean, I, I don't know. I mean, that's, that's debatable because the West is wide open. The West is still going to be wide open. And you made a great point about Washington. One of the biggest players that was going to be chopped regardless was Kyle Kuzma. Yep. And I think the fact that he went to a team like the Wizards where you already got a black coach there and he has the opportunity now to really develop a lot. And I'm interested to see how Kyle Kuzma does. I mean, I think Kyle Kuzma, he could make a great case for the most improved player very soon. Yeah, yeah. I, I, he's my dark horse for most improved player of the year. Um, um, my thing is that Washington – Look, Kyle Kuzma, I think he got a bad rep in L.A. You know, we saw what he did before LeBron James came or even before Anthony Davis came that he could, you know, he could put a buckets. I think he was he's a he's a good, uh, good role player. He's he can actually be a star for sure, an all star level player. But I think that once Anthony Davis came, his role changed. He 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 became inconsistent. And I think that's that was the biggest issue for Kyle Kuzma. You didn't know when. He was going to be a good. He was going to be a starter, or he was going to come off the bench. He didn't know how many touches he was going to get, and I think that it was it was about time that you know that he needed to go somewhere else. He needed he needed a, a fresh start, and I think that him going to Washington, playing alongside with with what's his name, Bradley Bill, and possibly you know we heard that uh, Spencer Dinwiddie could come to Washington as well. So I think that that's actually going to be a good move, and you know with other players that's right there with Montrezl Harrell, KCP, uh, Rue. And some other young players that's with that's in Washington as well, which I think that Washington could, you know, will still be a play-in team. We'll see if they make it to the playoffs, but I think that they will be, you know, will be decent for for next season. But let's keep it real. The pressure is all on Russell Westbrook for next season. Oh, absolutely. absolutely. I mean, absolutely. Come on, <laughs> Russell Westbrook. This man. Th- think think about this. Think about this. Russell Westbrook in his career has had. I mean, one of the greatest players to ever play, you know, in his career. I mean, this man has had a all-star lineup. If you look at his teammates, his teammates, he has an all-star teammate lineup. And for him to now play with his third MVP, he's played with Kevin Durant, OKC, James Harden in OKC as well, but in Houston, and now he's playing with LeBron James. This is going to be very interesting because Russell Westbrook, the last time a player who has not won a, a last time an all-time great who has never won a championship and played with three MVPs in his career was Charles Barkley. Now, to put in mm-hmm. context, Charles Barkley, he, you know, Dr. J and Most Malone, they were older. They were past their prime where Charles Barkley, he just came into the league. And then you have uh, Charles Barkley who came to Houston at one point. 
play with Hakeem Olajuwon, even though they were older, their best chance of getting to the finals was definitely uh, Charles Barkley's first year, and they got to the conference finals, but they lost to the Utah Jazz in 1997. Um, yeah, that that right there, it reminds me of a Charles Barkley uh, uh, vibe to me. So Russell Westbrook, he's listen, he's got to win a title. If he can't win a championship in L.A. with LeBron James and Anthony Davis, it's going to look bad, like real bad. And we don't want no bad for Brody, so come on. I mean, we but but we got to keep it real. We got to keep it real with you, Brody. Got to keep it real. Uh, absolutely, absolutely. There's listen, there, there. Listen, we don't pick favorites here. You know, what I'm saying we got to pick and choose. We got to be real about how we feel about Russell Westbrook. Like I said, he has a realistic chance to compete for a title. You know, he he's not in Washington anymore. He's in LA, so we'll see what happens. But don't be surprised, Laura. You know this. Don't be surprised if the, when the Lakers lose next season and they blame Russell Westbrook. <laughs> I mean, uh, the, sa- the same, oh. I mean, you already know that the same, the same things they said last year, who, who was the blame to lose, you know, last season, they're going to do the same thing next season when it comes to Lakers. Yeah, before that, yeah. before that. Because they're not going to blame LeBron James, not one bit of why, why they, why they're going to lose next season. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. And are they too? No, they too. This idea about Russell Westbrook going to Lakers, we need to bring that exact same energy to LeBron James like we did to Kevin Durant when Kevin Durant had James Harden and Kyrie Irving on, and Blake Griffin. You know, this this is a super team. This is a super team. So we need to bring that exact same energy of how we feel if the Lakers win a title. How how, how would this fifth championship be? Thanks. Okay. If, if he wins with a super team. So, so we will keep what? this 100. I'm so glad you mentioned that because we know what Kevin Durant has done. But people are literally saying that if Kevin Durant wins with the Nets, it don't count. So the, does this count if Russell Westbrook right. wins with the Lakers? What about LeBron James? What about LeBron? Does his championship count? Let's keep it real. Let's let's be honest. Let's say I, I want people to bring that exact same energy like they said about Kevin Durant. All right? Let's let's keep it 100. This this is a super team. This is a super team. So we are not going to be over here arguing about that. Okay, LeBron. Listen, LeBron James and Anthony Davis. Those are two top five players. Russell Westbrook is one of the best 25 players in the league. He is he is top 25 or top 30. Perhaps he is an all star player. This is a super team. So let's not make any excuses here. Definitely. I And I just want to say this. I'm just really tired of the super team phrase just being thrown around loosely. I've had a conversation, actually, with my boyfriend because he, he said that the Miami Heat was not a super team. That's ridiculous. He, he had the nerve to say that Chris Bosh was not a top team, top 15 player. I'm like, in that era, he definitely was. He definitely was. No, come on. That man Let's was. Let's be real. Yes. Top 20. Come he was on. top 20 at one point. We're not, we not going to debate about that. Because anyway. think about it. Just imagine how lethal this team will be healthy. Healthy, without a question, this team will be lethal. That's a big if. That's a big if because of Anthony Davis, by the I'm way. I'm telling you right now, though. I'm telling you right now. If AD was 100% healthy and everybody else 100% healthy, they would not be questioning the Lakers. I tell you that. I tell you that. Well, they'll be questioning Russell or, Westbrook's decision-making. Well, how about this? Let this be a couple years ago. You know, people definitely will not be having the energy that they have and about, you know, the ifs and things like that. Yeah. I'm telling you. Yeah, I can see that. Yeah. But we'll see what happens, though. So moving on. So NBA free agency, obviously, it started, you know, August 2nd at 6 p.m. There's a lot of moves that's been happening. Kyle Lowry to the Miami Heat in a signing trade. Obviously, Dragons is going to leave. P.J. Tucker has also went to the Miami Heat as well. Lonzo Ball to the Bulls. We also had Reggie Bullock went to the Dallas Mavericks. We have Rudy Gay going to the Utah Jazz. Free agency is definitely hitting the spot right now. I think it's very interesting what's going on. But with all this beginning and free agency is not going anywhere, especially when training camp is coming next month, which team needs to make a move this offseason? Most definitely Brooklyn. And you have to answer that big if. Mm, and that big if really? is defensively, yes. You got to answer that big if because you can bring all these guys that can score, but what can they still bring you, though, on the other end of the basketball? 
And I think Brooklyn really needs to focus that because if you can get some guys who can defend where their ultimate role, their main role is to defend, that's going to help so much for Kevin Durant, James Harden, and everyone else because you let James Harden and Kevin Durant take over and Kyrie Irving as well. Let them take over when they need to take over. And then when you need defense, you have those guys that can play defense as well. I've seen that the Nets got James Johnson, which, you know, he's a dog, but you need to do way more than that. And the thing is, is that, you know, um, Nets GM, Sean Marks, he said that they're willing to go beyond the luxury tax. They're willing to go in on banking because when you're looking at what the Lakers are doing and what even the Miami Heat are doing, you know, just think about that. Miami Heat, even though a lot of people kind of question them because of what happened last year and people saying that they're a fluke and they're a fraud, Pat Riley, he gets it every time. Every free agency, he always makes some kind of move, yep. some kind of game plan and all of that. And Sean Marks and Steve Nash and the rest of the team, they need to do that for Brooklyn because Brooklyn is still one of the top teams in the Eastern Conference, but look out, Atlanta's coming, Milwaukee's coming, Philadelphia's coming. All of these teams are going to be coming for you, and they could end up in a situation just like they were last year or even worse. So, I and the thing is that I think it's beyond more than just keeping the three guys healthy. Beside those three guys, what else do you have that can contribute for you? Blake Griffin is a veteran. There's not really much that he can do besides give you a 10 or 15 piece. Bruce Brown, he showed that he can – you know, he can score under pressure, but what more can he really do to elevate the team? And when you have all these guys, you know, a plethora of guys that's still on the trading stock right now, you have to look at these options and think of what's going to be the best for you to stand up to Milwaukee, to stand up to Miami, to stand up to all these teams in the East. Because we're starting to see that defenses are starting to get better. And you have to make sure that you can maintain that and you can keep up and you can keep up to that because defense wins championships. You know, I really thought long and hard about who needed to make a move this offseason. I was there, I was thinking to myself, is it Milwaukee? I mean, they can, but I don't think they like they desperately need to make a move. Is it the Mavericks? I'm like, hmm, they could, but I'm not looking like uh they need to desperately. Uh, Utah, I think I, I think Utah, you know, they 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 got some moves they can make for sure. I think getting Mike Conley back and Rudy Gay, you know, for as you know, for their addition um for next season it actually is pretty good. So I think they're they're good. If there's a team that I would say that that needs to make a move, that they 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 definitely the Philadelphia 76ers. Mm-hmm. I I mean 76, I know they got Andre Drummond, you know, good thing he left the Lakers because there was no need for him to be in LA in the first place. I mean, if you want to be honest. I, you know, but the 76ers, they need to make a move. They need to do something with Ben Simmons. I'm sorry. Like, I mean, and we'll talk about Ben Simmons a little bit later, but they need to have that closer. And I think that the fact that Kyle Lowry is in Miami now, that's a plus for Miami and a minus for the for the 76ers. They need to find that guy who could run point, who can calm the 76ers down and can close for them. I mean, the 76ers, they have they have the pieces, they have the shooting, they have the defense, but I don't think they have that it factor. And for me, I don't trust MB's health and when it comes to close games. And I and I don't and I definitely don't trust Simmons when it comes to any, I mean, besides defense passing, rebounding, and maybe occasionally scoring, I just don't trust him on the court when it's time to get the job done. He doesn't he he refuses to shoot for some reason. And I think that's a big issue. I just don't think you could win a championship with Ben Simmons as your starting point guard. You know, he needs to be a starting power forward. That's his game. That's who he needs to be. So I think Ben Simmons Simmons needs to go. They need to make a move. If the 76, first of all, if the 76ers ever want to get back to the conference finals, they need to make a move because there is no way that they're going to get anywhere to the conference finals or, or further if they still have Ben Simmons there. I'm just going to be honest right there. If I want to make a second part, I could say, I could say as far as a big push, maybe not, you know, it's not likely, probably go to state. I think yes. that, you know, you know, go to state. I like that they, they did get Porter Jr. That was actually pretty good. 
But I think that there's probably that one player, that one player who we could say, okay, boom, we got him right there. That's going to take us to the finals. I think that that right there is definitely going to take the next step because, you know, Steph Curry, Clay Thompson, who's coming back from, you know, from injury, he's not even going to start this season. He's going to start in the middle. And Draymond Green getting older. I mean, the, you know, you're going to need that one player that I think that's going to make sure that they can get back to the finals. So for me, those are the two teams, mainly Philadelphia, that I would say that needs to make a move this offseason. All right, so next up, we got L'Oreal's NBA draft review. You know, we got a lot of good things to say about the 2021 NBA draft. And it was on Thursday. You know, I was actually at the <laughs> I was actually at the draft party in Little Caesar, Little Caesars Arena. It's pretty cool. But L'Oreal, you go ahead and do your draft review, your draft grades, winners and losers. Let's see what you got. All righty. So as Javari said, Thursday night was the 2021 NBA draft. And this is a very interesting draft class. A lot of people, including, you know, a lot of ESPN and a lot of NBA draft insiders, they said that this is the best draft since 2003. Think about it. The 2003 draft, we had Carmelo Anthony, LeBron James, Dwayne Wade. So it's going to be interesting to see how this draft class matched up with 2003. But let's just go ahead and just review some of the biggest stories of that night. Winners and losers of the draft and things like that. So the biggest story is for the Detroit Pistons. They had the Oklahoma State standout star, Kay Cunningham, for the number one pick. And I mean, this was just a no-brainer for Detroit. They needed, you know, a, a draft pick that's really going to help with the rebuild that the general manager, Troy Weaver, is doing. And this is the first time since 1970, I believe, that the, that the Detroit Pistons had the number one draft pick. So they had a no-brainer by getting Kay Cunningham. You had um, Jalen Green from the G League, who's been lighting up as well. You know, great length, a great score, can defend as well. He's going to Houston, so that's going to be interesting to see how he does with um, Christian Wood, as well as Kevin Porter and all the other young guys as the Houston Rockets are starting their rebuild. And for number three, a little bit of surprise for some people, Evan Mobley from USC was selected by the Cleveland Cavaliers. And he was just a great player in college because you got a seven-foot guy. He's a great ball handler. He knows how to block shots, defend, all of those things. So it's going to be interesting to see how he plays with Colin Sexton and all those guys as well in Cleveland. And for the, um, the Toronto Raptors, when they made, when they made their number four pick, they kind of um, made a surprise. Instead of selecting Jalen Suggs, as we know from Gonzaga, who has went to the you know national championship game, an excellent score, explosive player, they decide to, to select Scotty Barnes from Florida State. But Scotty Barnes is not a scrub. He's a great guy. He has incredible defense. He knows how you know how to play defensively. So it's going to be interesting to see how Toronto use him. So now let's go ahead and go to the winners and losers. So the winners a little bit biased, but. The, the Detroit Pistons have an A in my book. I mean, you have Kay Cunningham, number one, a no-brainer. Let's just talk about this kid for a second now. This kid, Kay Cunningham, he comes from Oklahoma State, 6'7", 200 pounds, lots of length. He knows how to score. He knows how to facilitate. This is a guy that you want to build around because he knows how to make himself better and how to make other players better. And I mean, Detroit's right now is on the rebuild. They just have three rookies, Killian Hayes, Sadiq Bay, and Isaiah Stewart, both Bay and Stewart, making the all-rookie team last year. So Detroit is looking on the come-up right now. And not only did you get Cunningham, you also got Luca Garza, which was a steal from Iowa. I mean, a guy with length who knows how to score and defend. I believe he was the best player in the Big Ten Conference. So you got him, and you also got Isaiah Leverage from Michigan, which was a steal as well, because you have a guy who can shoot, and he can shoot well from the perimeter. So Detroit, you know, they're looking on the right path of things once again with Troy Weaver, making sure that he get that rebuild going for Detroit. Also, I got the Warriors as um, my winners of the draft. I got them as A as well. You know, that number seven, number 14 pick, you got to take advantage of that because there was rumors that maybe they could use those picks to get a brand new wheel or any kind of other player. But they decided to actually keep these guys, and they did a great job at picking the guys as well. So for number seven, they picked Jonathan Kaminja from the um, from, from G League. And I mean, this is just a great guy who just NBA ready, 
And right now with the Warriors where Klay Thompson might not come back until later this season or not at all. You know, Draymond Green, he might retire soon because he's kind of climbing a little bit. And even though you got the other draft pick and James Wiseman, you need some more guys. So they got Jonathan as well. And they got Moses Moody from Arkansas, a good guard who knows how to facilitate, know how to shoot. So just like the Pistons, the Warriors are starting to prepare themselves for their future rebuild. But, you know, don't have to worry about that for now, as long as they got Clay and Curry healthy as well. So let's go ahead and look at another winner as well in the draft. And I picked the Atlanta Hawks. And the reason why I picked the Hawks is because Sharik Cooper going at number 48 was an ultimate steal for the Hawks. And we already think about how great they are, you know, from a point guard's perspective and having Trey Young. Sharik Cooper from Auburn, he's going to have a great mentor in Trey Young. You know, Sharif's like Trey Young. He knows how to shoot. He's really quick. He's a very swifty passer. I think Atlanta's going to take advantage of him. And they also drafted Jalen Johnson from Duke. You know, he's a threat in the perimeter. So this that helped out with Atlanta as well. So now let's go ahead and look at some of the worst teams. And the worst teams of the draft, or the rules of the draft, I got the Sacramento Kings. If you have De'Aaron Fox and Tyrese Halliburton, who are on the come up, you need to get, you know, a big or a center or guys who can really play in the, you know, restricted area. But they didn't get that. I mean, no disrespect to Davion Mitchell from Baylor. He's a great guy. But I mean, what does this offense do for an offense you already have? And as far as I'm concerned, I believe you still have Buddy Hill because he hasn't been moved yet. So the offense is still there. So, you know, I'm just disappointed that Sacramento didn't get some guys that they could build as far as a forward or a big to really help out with that front court. Because the back court is not a problem. It's the front court and making sure you have a solid, you know, bigs and forwards to surround Halliburton and De'Aaron Fox as well. And I got the Brooklyn Nets as well as my loser tonight. I mean, just like Sacramento, you didn't get what you need. For the Brooklyn Nets, you don't need no more offense. Because as far as I'm concerned, when everybody comes back healthy, Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving, James Harden, you already re-signed Blake Griffin and Bruce Brown. That's cool and all, but now you need to get those rim protectors like a Jared Allen. You need to get guys who can really play defensively. And what they have, you know, they just have guys who can shoot. You know, Cameron Thomas right next to Jalen Green was one of the best, you know, college players when it comes to scoring. But again, what is that really going to do for Brooklyn when we look at, you know, the defensive side of the ball and is it really going to elevate them? So a lot of these teams, they made some really great moves and they're on the right path with either rebuilding or just getting to that next level. And some teams, they still have a lot of work to do, but... You know, it's very interesting to see how this draft class is going to be. I think a lot of these guys like Cunningham, Jalen Green, even a guy like Evan Mobley, they're going to prove a lot, you know, to these people in this league about, you know, their size, their talents, and obviously, are these guys guys that you want to build franchises with and build franchises around with? So we're going to see, you know, how these guys do next season. And I'm just interested, you know, to see how they put their path on the NBA. All right, that's it. That was L'Oreal's NBA draft review. Um, let's go ahead and talk about the Pistons real quick. I mean, la- I'll say this: my experience last week, I was at the Little Caesars. <clears throat> last week, I was at Little Caesars Arena and for the, for the draft party when Kay Cunningham was drafted number one. I, I mean, everybody was going was getting lit. Everybody was was so happy. <laughs> it was it was exciting. It was definitely a great experience to be there at LCA. Um, you know, it was interesting that, that you know, while we were there, we was, you know, getting tastes of watching the draft here and there. But then we didn't even finish, like, watching the first round because they got us out at 10 p.m. I'm like, dang, like, <laughs> they, they, hey, they, <laughs> listen, they kicked us out at 10 p.m. They say, oh, yeah, y'all got to leave. I'm like, I'm like, wait, hold on. We, we didn't finish watching the draft. Like, at least let us watch the first round. But no, they wanted exactly. us out. They wanted us out. But anyway... But this guy, Kay Cunningham, I think that he's going to be an all-star. I think, you know, you know, one day he's going to be a superstar. He's obviously the Pistons franchise player. But not only that, I really think that the Pistons are taking a step forward instead of backwards. And, you know, not next season, but in a couple of years, we would definitely head to the playoffs. I think um, Luke uh, Garza or Luca Garza, I think he was definitely a good, good pickup in the draft for sure. I think Tro- Troy Reaver. 
has done a good job in the draft. I think he's done a very good job. I like what I'm seeing so far and everything that's going on. So the Pistons, I mean, watch out. The Pistons are probably going to head to the playoffs, you know, in a few years. Just watch. Don't be surprised. For Brooklyn, I mean, I heard you about the, about the Brooklyn pick. I, when I heard about that Brooklyn got Cam Tom, Thomas, I was like, oh, they got a bucket. They got a bucket getter. That's what they got, you know. But like you said, they do need to get solid defenders because we just talked about, you know, I don't think we brought this up, but Brooklyn, they lost, you know, Jeff Green, which that's, that is an issue right there. For Golden State, obviously, I think those are two good young pickups that they, they added. So I thought that was solid for them. Uh, interesting, interesting how it's going to be, how they're going to play with Curry, Clay, and Draymond Green, and and Wiggins as well. But uh, other than that, I mean, as far as draft, the draft goes, um, oh yeah, shout out to Isaiah Jackson from Pontiac, Michigan. You know, he um, he 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 just got drafted. He got drafted by the Washington Wizards, and then he got he got traded to the to the Indiana Pacers. So shout out to him for making it to the NBA. You know, we you know we support everybody from Michigan who makes makes it to the NBA or make it to the to the you know to the, to the league period. Whether it's NFL, Major League Baseball, hockey, football, it doesn't matter. So shout out shout out to Isaiah Jackson. You know, we hope that you do a good job in, in the league. Um, and shout out to Isaiah Livers as well. He's from Kalamazoo, Michigan. Yep. Oh yeah, yeah. Shout out to yes, that brother shout too. Out right. To him as well. Right. Shout out so to that. So he's coming back to the city. Right. Exactly. Is that we got to give all shout outs to all the folks who's from Michigan. Right. Real talk. Everybody. Every one bit of these guys. I mean. Whew. All right. So move on. Let's head to the Olympics real quick. So you know. So let's let's bring up updates so far. For the Olympics, Team USA, you know, for the men's basketball, they actually defeated Spain in the quarterfinals and in the semifinals. They'll head against Australia. And obviously, Australia, they have their, their best player, Patty Mills. You know, they have Dante Exum, Joe Ingles. They have, I mean, I would say Ben Simmons, but he ain't going to play. You know, he don't need to play in the, in the Olympics, to be honest with you, because he need to work on his shot. But um, I would say Aaron Baines, but I think he's out for the Olympics. They have uh, what's that guy's name from Philadelphia? Thibel, yeah, Thibel as well. Yes, Matisse Thibel. Yeah, yeah Thibel. Yes. Yeah. So it's gonna be interesting how that's gonna play out uh, for the next game in the semifinals, Team USA versus Australia. They're kind of struggling, you know, grabbing the gold medals as of right now. I mean, China's have the lead so far for the most gold medals, but as of right now, they Team USA they do have the most medals, you know, counted. But we're gonna talk about Simone Biles real quick. So Simone Biles. As you have been here since last week, she has been withdrawing, you know, multiple events from gymnastics. If you didn't know, she was a gymnast. And many people, I think that many people will consider her the GOAT. She is the GOAT of gymnastics. And so with that being said, you know, she has been withdrawing, you know, multiple events due to mental health. Well, as she said, mental health reasons. She did return to gymnastics for the for the balance beam final and she won a bronze medal and just to be very clear about the you know about her you know she i mean listen she has absolutely nothing to prove i mean i think you would agree with that l'oreal she has absolutely nothing, nothing. to prove. nothing I mean, absolutely nothing i mean she i mean this this let's just be real right now i mean let's talk about small balls real quick at the age of 24 she has seven olympic medals four of them are gold just four she has 25 world championship medals. 19 of them are gold. Four gymnastic skills named after her. I mean, she is the greatest of all time when it comes to gymnastics. But, you know, but, I, but obviously she came back to participate in, gym, in the Olympics. And a lot of people, they had issues with the fact that she decided to, to, to withdraw and to not play because she was focused on her mental health. Loyal, can you find the report, uh, quote that she's talked about her about her mental health? Yes. Yeah, so when we look at the Instagram page of Bleacher Report, which happened around the time that she won her bronze medal, which was today, um, early this morning, yep. she said, in quote, I say put mental health first because if you don't, then you're not going to enjoy your sport and you're not going to succeed as much as you want to. Thank you for those quotes right there. I mean, obviously she's doing it for herself. You know, she, I mean, like I said, we have considered her the GOAT plenty of times. And we, and there's been a lot of people who has been having conversations about athletes with mental health and should athletes prioritize mental health 
over competition. Absolutely. And let me just spill you off some real, real, real quick. Context is very important when we look at mental health in general. Yes, you know, does it seem kind of odd for most people that mental health is all of a sudden being the forefront when you look at how the majority of the talks of mental health is only being around celebrities and things like that, not real people. I can understand that. And of course that needs to change. And obviously, you know, we knew that way before Simone Biles came out, way before Naomi Osaka came out, you know, way before Paul George came out, Kevin Love, many, many athletes. And many athletes, there are silence as well. And that's important to bring up as well. But the biggest thing with this is that context is important. Simone Biles is a gymnastics athlete. And I believe a couple of days ago, she was on Instagram and where people ask her about mental health questions. I think she posted like some kind of mental health Q&A. Well, she was explaining about twisties and twisties is a form of gymnastics where you literally have to be perfect, like perfect when you do these moves. Because Simone Biles, she has four moves named after her because she is really known for her ability to really twist and turn. Nobody can twist and turn like Simone Biles can, especially at her size, her age, and her athleticism. That's why she is considered the GOATs when we talk about gymnastics. So in simpler terms, she's simply saying, well, if I'm not in sync with my body and my mind, how can I be you know, in sync with my body? Which makes sense. If your mind's not in sync, your body can't be in sync, anything can't be in sync. And when you think about, you know, a career or, you know, a sport like gymnastics, you cannot afford to mess up. And I'm really tired of people bringing up the fact that other athletes before her has, you know, made it up and, you know, they fought through it and she quit. She did not quit. Way before the Olympics even happened, Simone Biles has went through a lot. As a lot of people know, which I'm not going to go into more details, um, the Larry Nassar case happened. And that affected many, lots and lots and lots of young women, especially at Michigan State and especially at the Olympic level. And Simone Biles herself said that she felt like it would simply be a disservice if she would not continue and perform because who is going to be there to hold, you know, these people that you bring into these spaces accountable? Who's going to be there to really bring these issues to the forefront? And furthermore, let these women who do gymnastics know that they can do gymnastics without the, you know, the, you know, like the simple pressures like eating, dieting, making sure you have enough energy, all of that. So she's trying to do this mission and she already has prepared for almost two years because last year we could not do the Olympics because of COVID. And the reason why I bring the context is because the pandemic's been happening for almost two years now. So you simply cannot just be this, you know, illustrious athlete without some kind of mental health. And yes, we know the people who have shown us, or for the most part from what we see, who are mentally trained, like a Kobe, like a LeBron James to the extent, like a um, like a Michael Jordan. I can even go further to other sports, like a Muhammad Ali. But of course, they are mentally trained because whatever they do. You know, yeah, like Kobe, Kobe would never, you know, say, hey, you know, I am on mental health, you know, but he definitely took care of it. Just like LeBron probably took care of it, Muhammad Ali took care of it, Michael Jordan took care yeah. of it. You know, Michael Jordan, even though he played a high level, he probably was going through it because I believe Michael Jordan retired Michael Jordan retired three times. Yes, three he times. Twice he in retired his prime. Three times. Twice he in retired his prime. Three times. He had gambling issues. His father passed away, in which he won, I believe, his third well, he or fourth more, championship. Well, he got, well, he got, he got murdered. <laughs> yes. He more than passed away. He got shot and killed. That's what happened. Yes, but the point is, is that all these events that we just mentioned, of course, it affected Michael Jordan. And who knows? Maybe him retiring was his way of mental health. And my thing, and, and this isn't the last point that I want to make. My thing is with people saying, oh, you know, mental health always been an issue. Why all of a sudden it's bring to the forefront? Well, when you look at the advancement of technology and social media, it does nothing but to provoke force and pretty much bring it literally to your intention. Back in the 90s and stuff, 
there was mental health facilities. You know, people who had mental health issues had accommodations, but it was never to that degree. And especially when we look at black people in mental health, you know, let's be real. The new generation probably bring more awareness of mental health than the older generation. So now we see people like Simone Biles, Paul George, and Naomi Osaka. They see yeah, the platforms the they have. They understand. Yes, the Martha Rose. Absolutely. I remember I watched um, the ESPNW conference last year and he was on there. He talked about, you know, even in the midst of knowing how great and talented he was, he didn't feel that way in times. And, and, and looking at what DeMar DeRozan had been through in his career, that's 1,000% understandable. So when we talk about mental health and things like that, no, mental health is not crutches. Mental health is not something that people is not playing with. I think people need to really, you know, honor the fact that people are bringing more awareness to it than the fact that we're not bringing awareness to it. Mental health has always been a situation in America. But unfortunately... You know, if we don't bring no attention to it for the most part, it's just going to always be swept under the rug, whether we like it or not. Any athlete should prioritize mental health over competition any day. Let's be real about that. I mean, I don't understand what this issue is. Simone Biles, listen, she has nothing to prove. She, she's, she's a winner and she's 24 years old. Now she's 24 years old. Y'all making it seem like she is 28, 30, 32 years old doing this. But even if she was, it wouldn't matter. This is a 24-year-old whose brain is not fully functioned. And look, she was not she was not at a good space. And the fact that she said, hey, I want my team to take care of the rest. I'm not at the right mind. That's cool. That's okay. And especially for what she has done in her career, What's the issue here? It's take your time. If you are not right in the mind, if you're not right mentally, then you need to take a break. That's why with Naomi Osaka, the fact that she that she was not good, that she was not right in the head when she was playing tennis. I had no problem if she said that she needed time off because that's what she needed. And let's just be real. We we have only heard two women so far that talk about mental health. Let's talk about the men. Yes. When, okay. And I, and I do believe that there, there has been a double standard when it comes to men and women, when it comes to mental health, when it involves around mental health, I should say, because when men talk about mental health, particularly black men, we have always been told to get out, get out our feelings that you're being emotional yes. or, you know what I'm saying? Or the fact that why you got to be this way you need to you you should not show any emotion you need to you they say man up they always say man up every single time don't cry because they say if you cry it is a sign of weakness that's that is what men black men have been told on a regular basis so when someone says we need to see a therapist we need to focus on our mental health it doesn't happen that often because because black men are not told to to speak what's on our mind or speak about mental health. That's why usually, you know, young black boys, you know, commit suicide more than black women because of what they go through in, in their mind. Like, you know, they're, they're not in a good space. I mean, you could talk to a lot of a lot of young boys who are in that situation. When people like Paul George, Simone Biles, DeRozan or others that speak about mental health, it is not a cop out now whatsoever. I got tired last week when people were saying that Paul George brought on mental health last year was a sign of weakness. That and they say, well, he didn't talk about ever right. He and used it to cover up what he did. Right. And I'm glad you mentioned that, Jabari, because that just really I, I I just hate to keep it real. It it really pissed me off when I heard that people viewed Chris Paul. I mean, not Chris Paul, Paul, Paul George. George using that as an excuse. Right. You know, yes, he didn't play the best that he could, but if, if, yeah, if last year if this man where, you know, being in the bubble and like I said, context, they're stuck, even though they're in Disney World, they're stuck in Disney World for three months without seeing their family, without seeing their fans, yeah. without really feeling like they're in, you know, their, their natural atmosphere. Right. It had to be different for lots of guys for those three months. So if Paul George said that he was going through something, 
and things like that, I'm not going to sit up there and make it seem like he's making an excuse of how he played. Because exactly. guess what? He didn't play like that next season. Right. Whatever he did to improve. And y'all were still health, trashing him. And he learned it. And, he, and the thing is, too, is that, and here's another thing. Don't, don't ridicule people who talk about mental health 24-7. And also, don't talk about people who mental who mention mental health every now and then. You don't have to mention about mental exactly. health every single day to be an advocate or, you know, somebody who, who, who deals with that. And this is what I don't get every single time. When people mention mental health, they think that, that oh, we, we are weak-minded that we speak about that. No, we need to be at a good, good spacing. We need to make sure that our mind is right. We, we need to make sure that we're moving correctly. People say, I want to move fast. No, I want to move correctly. And when it comes to mental health, you have to move correctly. And so when people like Paul George DeRozan, Simone Biles, or even Osaka that speaks about mental health, I appreciate those, those athletes who speak on those because that is important. They always, someone once told me, it's 90% mental and 10% physical. The mind is what matters the most. And what black men go through on a regular basis is, it's, listen, it's, it's now time to stop looking at mental health as, a, as, as some taboo or it's, it's for the weak. No, it's for, it's for people who's, a, who's allowed to show their skeletons from the closet. That's why you see on a regular basis of, <clears throat> of black boys, a young black men who commit suicide. That's a problem. We need to be over here and talk about it. And if y'all care about mental health, you will care about young black boys. You will care about these athletes. You will care about people who want help. Even the ones who say they don't need help, help them out. Because mental health is important into, towards everybody. Not just one person, but to everybody. Even when they say they don't need help, they need help. So Simone Biles, I appreciate the fact that she said what she said. Look, she got a bronze medal. I wish she would have got a gold, but she got a bronze. I'm not going to be mad at what she did. And then she came back. She did what she had to do. And I appreciate her for that. Protect Simone Bile. She done her part. Yes. Protect black women and black men. So moving on real quick, let's stick with the NFL. So Carson Wentz, man, huh, that guy. I mean, that man's going through bad luck every single time. I mean, this man, I mean, does this man stay injured? I mean, Lord have mercy, this guy stays injured. So let's go right now. So reports has been shown that Carson Wentz will be out for five to 12 weeks after undergoing a foot injury. I mean, foot, foot surgery, which he, he, you know, he was injured, you know, during practice. I mean, we talk about practice here, practice, getting ready for the, for the season. He, he got, he got hurt in training camp and now this man, Came and played in the beginning of the season. Well, start of the season, which it starts on in the beginning of September. So with all that going on, and obviously Carson Wentz is not, probably not going to play until probably week seven, eight, or nine. Does this hurt the coach's chances of reaching the playoffs? Absolutely. I mean, when you look at the division that they're in, where you have the Colts, Tennessee, Jacksonville, Houston. I mean, let's just keep it real. Tennessee should just be straight front runner I feel like they're gonna run this division through the water especially the fact that you got Julio Jones and you have oh, Julio yeah. Yeah, AJ yeah. Brown Derrick Henry and Tannehill yeah like, come on let's be real but respectfully given the fact that Carson Wentz was going to have a new start for the Indianapolis Colts yeah. be able to run the team and things like that most likely Tennessee and Indianapolis is going to be neck to neck but I mean the fact that he's going to be out five to twelve weeks most likely that's not going to happen. No. <laughs> I mean, Indianapolis right now, they're probably missing Jacoby Brissett because who's your backup mm. quarterback? I don't even know who the backup quarterback is. Yeah. That's how sad and disappointing this is for Indianapolis. So, I mean, the fact that you don't have a guy who can win healthy, he can definitely be that guy yeah. for you. He can definitely bring – your team to the playoffs. Right. He can make your team, you know, compete and all of that. But the fact that you have him and now he's going to be gone for roughly about s close to 75% of the season, 
Yeah, like this is definitely bad for the Colts. Yeah, exactly. And this is my thing about Wentz. I mean, his best season was probably in Philadelphia back in the 2017 season when he w- when he could have been MVP. And he got hurt. And obviously the rest was history that year when Nick Foles, you know, who was the quarterback and the se- uh, not the 76ers, sorry about that. The Philadelphia Eagles, they won the Super Bowl against the Patriots. So when you look at the Eagles, I mean, not the Eagles, when you look at the Colts, Carson Wentz is there. He's trying to get a fresh start. Whatever happened in Philadelphia, he's leaving that over there. He goes to the Colts and he's hurt again. This man has a history of being injured. He is injury prone. He's been like that since high school. And that is the issue. He was about to go to Indiana, have a good O-line, good offensive weapons. I mean, they they got a good defensive squad. There's no excuses for Carson Wentz to not do good for the Colts. And you look at their division. They got the Titans, they have the Texans, and they have the Jaguars. Now, the Jaguars, they ain't got to worry about those guys. I mean, let's be real. The Jaguars are not going to do anything. Not not, not for real. The Texans, yeah, they got some issues, you know, because obviously with Deshaun Watson, which unfortunately, you know, with his case, you know, what's going on with the sex, sexual assault cases, uh, a couple of them are, uh, are civil cases. A couple of them are criminal. I'm kind of intrigued to see what happens with Deshaun Watson. Hopefully, he'll probably still play. He'll probably not. We'll see what happens with the NFL, you know, do with that. As far as what the Colts goes, I really think that this is a big deal because now I don't know who's going to be their quarterback. Like, who's going to be? I mean, what are they going to do? They're going to, they're going to go and try to get Nick Foles to be their starting quarterback now? I mean, you know, I mean, that would be terrible for Carson Wentz. But for Wentz, I don't know how the Colts are going to be able to get to the playoffs if I – I don't know when he's going to come back. He might come back in October, at the end of October. I don't know how this is going to be if in case that he's out for this long. Because, I mean, we look at the teams in the AFC. Obviously, we got the Chiefs, you know, uh, what should we call the Ravens, uh, Steelers, Bills, you know, that's four right. That's that's four right there. The Titans, we're gonna say the Titans right there. I mean, six and seven. I mean, who 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 else we got Cleveland too? Yeah, right. Cle- Cleveland. I mean, we can we can even make a case that the Patriots could be there as well. Carson Wentz is not gonna come back at, at, a, at a point where they can compete in the playoffs. Then I, I'm not gonna lie, I don't see them going to the playoffs if that's the case. And they've been having a lot of bad luck because ever since Andrew Luck retired earlier. You know, he re- he retires sooner than later. You know, I think that the Colts have had a has really have a difficult time of finding that franchise quarterback. You know, like yes. I said, Andrew Luck. Like I said, like I said, when you had Penny Manning, then you had Andrew Luck. You're like, OK, cool. But Andrew Luck retired earlier. Then you have Phillip Rivers for one season then he retired. And now you have Carson Wentz and you see how this is going. So I don't know what the Colts are going to do with their starting quarterback because like I said, they're having issues with the QB. All right, so let's head to Major League Baseball real quick. So the trade deadline was last week. You know, it ended on July 30th. We've had a lot of moves so far. I mean, a lot of things that have been going on. I mean, it's probably one of the wildest trade deadlines ever, if you want to be real. Um, for me, I'm just going to start right here. I thought this was pretty interesting. I mean, at one point before the trade deadline, my pick was I had the Boston Red Sox and the San Diego Padres going to the World Series. After, after this trade deadline, I think it might change because the way how I see it for my winners, I'm going with the LA Dodgers because they acquire Max Serger and Treya Turner. Those two pieces right there, the they are the defending champs. The rich got richer. I mean, they they have shown that they're not going anywhere. I mean, they they have shown that listen, we we needed another piece at the starting at the starting pitch starting pitcher rotation, and we need another another player who can who can give us offense. And Trey Turner is that type of player. I like what I've seen from the Dodgers a lot. Obviously, they're still in second place in their in their in the NL West division, but. They will be fine. I think the Dodgers, to me, I'm not going to lie, they are the favorites to to come out the national lead, if you ask me. They are the defending champs. I'm not going to lie to you. Now, San Francisco Giants, they are in first place in the NL West. I like what I'm seeing so far. They, they, they're actually in first place in, in the national league. I like the fact that they got Chris Bryant. 
I thought that that move was was great. They needed more offense. They have all the weapons they need. I think that if there's any team that can beat that can lose to the to the to the Dodgers, uh, I mean that could that could beat the Dodgers is the San Francisco Giants. I think they have all the tools and pieces to beat this squad. Shout out to the New York Yankees. The Yankees they got Anthony Rizzo. They got Joey uh, Gallo. They have all all the offensive weapons that they need, even though for me, they're still struggling to try to get to the wild card because of how they've been playing so far. They got enough time to be in the wild card, but, but, you know, it's been not the way how you want it to be. However, but I would say that the Yankees, they need to turn it up a bit as far as the pitching goes. They need, because, you know, uh, Jericho, that man can play, you know, as of right now due to COVID. I mean, that man has tested positive for COVID. That just shows you how COVID is still here pandemic hasn't gone anywhere but the yankees they need more pitching i mean the hitting is good they're straight they just need to stay healthy and the pitching needs to needs to come from the starting rotation and their bullpen i like what i saw from the white Sox, the chicago white Sox. i think they can definitely make a push i mean they obviously are the best team in the in the uh, al central division you know getting a closer in, in Kimbrough, i think that's actually was a good pickup they have they have a lot of nice weapons and i think that this team is going forward and we'll see if they could uh you know make some you know make some noise in the in the american league playoffs so we'll see what happens there losers for me i'm going with the Se- uh seattle seattle mariners i really thought that they could have made some changes and not knowing that you trade a player to the Houston Astros where the Houston Astros playing your same division. I don't get that not one bit. When you're fighting for a playoff spot, you're fighting for a wild card spot. I think that the Mariners could have done a much better job. And last but not least, I'm low key going to go with the Padres. My only reason for the Padres is that there could have been a chance. Now they said that it wasn't going to, it wasn't close, but I really thought they should have went after Max Serger. I think for me, if you wanted to put an exclamation mark on the NL West, you go get Max Serger. You you add in more pitching because listen, they still have the hitting with with uh, with Manny Machado, with Fernando, and with other players there, Jake, all those other guys. They, like I said, the pitching is set. I like the pitching a lot. However, I think that Max Serger would have been somewhere where it would have been a safety net for them. I think that if they would have got the Padres, I think I would have felt more confident that the Padres would have definitely come out the National League. But I think that, I mean, it's a nail-biter. Padres and Dodgers in the, in the National League wild card. I mean, the Battle of California, it's going to be it's going to be interesting when the playoffs come in two months. So far, I, I do, but I do want to bring up one team. I don't want to say they're losers, but I want to say that this was unfortunate. I want to bring up the Chicago Cubs. Chicago Cubs, I want to say there was a team that I felt like they underachieved as far as, you know, what they could have been was definitely the Cubs. This team could have been a dynasty. They won the World Series back in 2016. And everyone thought with this young core, with Anthony Rizzo, with, um, with you know, Javi Bays, um, you know, Chris Bryant, and all those other players they did have, I thought that this team could have actually been something, you know, could have won multiple titles multiple World Series. And then the Dodgers said, no, we, we still here. We're going to smack y'all around and we're going to get back to where we were. So I think that the Cubs were definitely a disappointment as far as not still competing for the, you know, for championships. Only won one title. Obviously, you know, they, you know, it's been 108 years since they won a championship. And like I said, they, they, they did what they're supposed to do. They, they, they reached their goal and that was to finally win the World Series. This, like I said, the Cubs, for them to finally win the World Series was just fantastic for the for the city of Chicago, especially for the north side of Chicago, for all the Cubs fans. But for them to just win one title with that young core they had, and now you're trading away all those pieces away and going to straight up rebuilding mode, I really think that, you know, it was definitely a team that definitely underachieved. All right, Jabari, just like I mentioned before, it's really interesting to see that battle in L.A. between the Dodgers and the Padres. National lead. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, we'll see what happens, though. But, you know, only time would only time would tell, though. All right. So before we end this show, let's go with our last topic. So Ben Simmons, I don't know if you've been hearing about this, but this Ben Simmons trade offers have been very interesting. So. Where do I begin? I mean, we could go about the part with Indiana, you know, how Indiana was going to give them Malcolm Brogdon at one point. 
you know, for Ben Simmons, but Philadelphia said no. But let's talk about Philadelphia, about what they offered. They went to Toronto and said they wanted Kyle Lowry, Fred Van Vliet, OG Agunanobi, and a draft pick, or one or two, for Ben Simmons. And, to, and Toronto said no. So then they went to San Antonio. They said, hey, San Antonio, we want four first-round draft picks, three swaps, and a young player from the Spurs for you to have Ben Simmons. And the Spurs said, no way in hell. So then they went to Golden State. They said, hey, we want Andrew Wiggins, James Wiseman, and two draft picks for your guy. For, for our guy, for you, to you, for you to have, Ben Simmons. And Golden State, Golden State says, you're smoking crack. It ain't happening, not one bit. So, look, the 76ers, they're looking for a Harding package deal. You know, that's what they're trying to do, although they could have had James Harden in the first place, you know, last season. But, hey, I, I don't know what to say about these deals. I don't know if they smoking crack. Listen, they must be on one, but are the 76ers asking for too much in return to trade Ben Simmons? Absolutely. And it's just mad funny how the 76ers are, you know, claiming that Ben Simmons is a King's Ransom type of guy. Well, as far as I'm concerned, he's not. He's looking like a sack of potatoes as far as value. Come on. Ben Simmons is not a James Harden. Now, Will a team want to get a Ben Simmons? Absolutely, if it fits the team's needs, if they have intentions on maybe transforming him to more of a power forward instead of a point guard and just letting him cook. I mean, you know, I would like to see Ben Simmons in a situation maybe like a Kyle Kuzma where he gets traded to a team where he can develop with that team, get a fresh start and things Mm -hmm. like that. But let's be real. Ben Simmons is not worth these offers that we're getting at. Like Toronto – why? Why in hell would you do that? Yes. Right. Um, the San Warriors. Antonio. San Antonio. Why would you do the San Antonio? Of course. Why would you do that? Right. Four first round draft picks. You want four first round draft picks and an all star caliber player. I mean, I, I'm sorry. The, 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 the deals that the 76ers want to give out are flat-out ridiculous, okay? Ben Simmons is nice, but he ain't that guy. All right, okay. All right, all right. he ain't James Harden. All right, so stop that nonsense there. I mean, since they really they really say we want a James Harden-type deal. What? Wow. Are we serious? They must I mean, not know who they're dealing with then, for real. Exactly. Exactly. And Ben Simmons, he may be fine. He, may, he might step up and be a better player for a different team. I'm not giving up all those all those assets for Ben Simmons. Hell no. You're yes. smoking crack. Stop it. <laughs> like, just keep it simple as possible, man. Exactly. Well, that's it for the Bounce Podcast, episode 33. You can listen to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, you know, Simplecast, iHeartRadio, Pandora, And even on YouTube, folks, I want you to like, download us, subscribe, comment, share this, folks. We hear every week on Tuesday, Wednesday, or Thursday, if you listen to this, as always, folks, like I said, we out here, as always. Before we go, L'Oreal, you have anything else to say? I mean, just looking at this free agency period, I'm really interested to see where DeMar Rosen's going to go. Yeah. Surprised he hasn't been shopped yet. Right, because there's a possibility that he could be landed in Chicago. So, and and, I, and I'll be, yeah, I'll be, if DeMar Rosen goes to Chicago, I think that's a team that can definitely reach the playoffs for yes. sure. Yes. Like that team I mean, reaches the playoffs. Vucevic, Levine, Kobe White. And then if you add DeMar DeRozan, yeah. and you already got Alex Caruso, and, um, Oh, shoot, I forgot his name. Lonzo, uh, Caruso, Alonzo Lonzo, Ball. Yeah, Lonzo Ball. Yes. Yeah, that ball. Yeah. Yeah, well, look, look, if y'all want to do a sign-and-trade deal, then, you know, send Laurie McCannahan to the Spurs. So, you know, mm-hmm. I, you know, we'll, we'll see what, you know, we know, we'll see what happens, though. I mean, you get him to the Spurs. I mean, I'll, I'll you know, I'll like that. You know, DeMar Rosen to the, to Chicago, that, that would be nice. I mean, 
we'll see what happens. I mean, we, like I said, it's still, we, like I said, it's still, you know, close to Spencer Dinwiddie going to Washington. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know where Dennis Schroeder is going to go, but we'll see yeah. what happens. Though. Yeah. Yeah. We'll just see what happens. But Lots we, of guys still under the radar. Right. Just under the radar. Just, just, but let's be very clear. Kawhi Leonard is staying with the Clippers. All right. <laughs> so let's be real about that. All right. So that's it. Thank you for listening to the Bounce Podcast, episode 33. My name is Jabari Anderson with my co-host L'Oreal. Peace! Peace!